0: This morning, if you're looking, I have a title. It's called The King's Highway. And I don't know if you know anything about um, in English times in the, uh, when they had royalty and kings and queens in England and many other countries in Europe. What they would do is they would have highways that would go to certain towns. And what they would do is before them, there would be uh, soldiers before them. And they would begin to tell people, this is the king's highway. In other words, the king was coming. So they had to clear the highway. Because royalty was passing through, or I like to say authority was coming through town. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the King's Highway. And I, there's a story in the Bible that I want to talk to you about. It's in, actually in Mark chapter 10, and it starts at verse 46. And it says, and they came to Jericho. Now, if you know anything about Jericho, there's a bunch of things in the Bible, Old Testament and everything. But one of the things about Jericho, it was known as a place called, a place of fragrance. In other words, my, we used to have this uh, one kind of bush before you'd come into my house. And we killed it. Me and Tracy killed it. Well, I don't know how we killed it. But we, we just killed it. You know, I mean, we don't have a green thumb like David Daigle or somebody like that. We just killed it. I don't know what we did. It, but it was a jasmine. And when jasmine's at their peak of their, 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 their blooming and everything, they have a, a beautiful smell. And, and, and it's like you would come into Jericho, there would be, it would be a place of fragrance. And historians tell us that at the time of Jericho, when this story began to take place, it was, historians say it was the most trafficked intersection in the world. And what, why it was is because all commerce traveled there, uh, all movement of troops from Europe To Africa would be going through there. They passed south to Jericho and go into Africa. And see what happens. And look at verse 46. And not only had they came to Jericho. It said, and they came to Jericho as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples. That's Jesus. And and a great crowd. That means a lot of folk. Okay. (laughs) That means like bigger than the frog festival. Bigger than the duck, you know, festival. I mean, just a lot of people. Because people have, heard, how many of you know that pe- there were stories going around about Jesus, and so people were pressing in to try to see who this guy was, and they'd heard stories. And what happens is, and a girl called Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And we're going to call Bartimaeus Bart. Is that all right? And so what happens? How many of you know there? There's two things that happen. And the Bob you're going to see in this story, he's kind of sitting in the shadows a little bit. But I think there's two things that make people sit in the shadows of life. How many of you know that one of them might be discomfort? How many of you have had discomfort in your life before? I mean, just times, you don't want no one to see you. You want to bark at everybody. Come on. I didn't hear a bark yet. But anyway, just, but what happens is. Not only do you have that, but the second kind of person is the people that walk in fear. And that's what our country and that's what the world's dealing with is a spirit of fear right now. It's a spirit of fear. How many you know that fear will kill you f- before any disease or any kind of thing will kill you? So, you know, I, I was sitting, I don't like to talk about, it, I was in my chemo chair for the first time this this time I started chemo. It was my first round. I was just about to finish. And there's a lady sitting across from me, Nicole. And she just asked this question. She goes, is this your first time? I go, no. I said, actually, I could write a novel. It'd be about that thick. And she just goes, really? And she broke and began to cry. She goes, I'm so afraid to die. And she started telling me about, you know, they give me so much time. There's just all this going on. And I said, wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. How many of you know emotions are bad leaders? And they can lead you right to fear, right to death, all those different things that stop. Let me tell you, I don't care what the doctor said to you. God puts the date on everybody. The doctor don't. And I said, as soon as they put this. As soon as they attach the pump to me, I'm coming over and I'm praying for you. So I went and prayed for her and, and, and just encouraged her because she was just like, I'm so afraid. And I, can, I understand that. How many of the, I believe there's, there's three categories of people in life. The first kind of category of people are the people that make things happen. Come on. The second category is this those that watch things happen. Okay? And then the third cat- category is are those of, what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? And that's what we're going to talk about today, because this is what this story's about. What's happened is Jesus is coming through the highway, and everybody's going, in this bike, he can't see, Brian Bart can't see, and he's going, what ha- what's happening? What's going on? No doubt, he would hear the cracking, the crackling of wagon wheels, he'd hear... Uh, you know, oxen, and he'd hear people hit with their sandals on the rocks because they say when you lose one of your senses, it enhances all your other senses. You know? Uh, uh, and so what happens is he heard the shuffle of all these things going on, the sounds of camels, the sounds of, you know, conversations with people. All this is going on while he stood there or sat there. But maybe you can identify with him. What do you mean, Pastor Brother? Maybe you feel like all around you, things are happening. Kind of like times are changing, kind of like Bob Dylan. We're not going there, but for all of them, my generation. The rest of you, who? Okay. Okay, some of you don't. Never heard of him. But what happens is, you know, times are changing. Times are changing. Things are happening. People are moving. You, you hear all this commotion. You hear people about God touching them, and you're going, what about me? I need a touch from God. Maybe you can identify. Maybe you feel like all around you, those things are just sitting, wondering, begging for some kind of change in your heart and in your life. I remember that. On May Fourteenth, 1980, I cried out for a change in my life. I remember it was a Wednesday. I remember. I remember coming to that point in my life that I was miserable. I cried out on a boat deck two weeks before. They said, God, if you're real, just show me. It was a cry. Just show me. How I many of you ever had cries to God sometimes? Oh, God. Come on, it's not being religious. It's just going, oh, God. You know this pain. I can't carry this pain anymore. Oh, God, this habit in my life. I remember my dad told me one time, he said, you know, I was, he was trying to get delivered from smoking. He goes, I started cussing out the cigarette. A lot of good that did. But I've seen people cry out, God, deliver me from alcohol. I've never seen a six-pack locked up, but I've seen what a six-pack will do with someone and get them locked up. <laughs> How many of you are talking about? You see, Barnabas literally means son of the unclean one. How many of you know that many of us, all of us in this room just didn't measure up to be perfect in life? The Bible says we've all fallen short. We've all messed up, okay? How many of you have ever lied in this room? Come on. Come on. How many of you never lied? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. (laughs) Okay? See, possible he got his name from his mother and father because they passed on the disease to him. But you gotta realize, beggars in Bible times, I've traveled all over the world. I've been in third world countries and I've seen what real professional beggars are like they're like flies at a barbecue. They're on it. They're persistent. They know how to touch your heart. They know how to get in touch with you. They know how to beg. I remember being in El Salvador, a 10-year-old boy slept at the doors of the church. He had no home, no place to go. I've seen in South Africa where they drop off all the kids and the 5-year-olds watching the other little kids during the day living in a little tin shack. I've been in Haiti where it's flooded and everything else. And they wash their clothes. Little kids are washing their clothes in a sewage ditch. And they come to you and they're asking you for something. And you're moved with compassion. I've seen it. God's broken my heart over that. I took Luke to, Pastor Josh and I took Luke and Josiah to Africa. And I remember when Luke came back home, he said, God bless America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Let me, we can complain about what our society's like and who we are, but let me tell you something you don't know. You are the most free people on the face of this earth. And you know what? It, it didn't happen. It happened because of our veterans. It happened not only because that, there was pilgrims that crossed, the red, uh, that crossed the ocean looking for a place of promise and having hope that they could worship God. And now we've gone from worshiping God to worshiping ourselves and our desires rather than God. And I'm not here to talk about all that. But here's what it says. Look, look, look with me. Verse 47 48. Are y'all with me? And we're so glad you're online that you're joining us. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let me just tell you something. I think it was more like a cry. Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. You know what I'm facing? You know what I'm going through. You know what's going And this look, look what the crowd said. And the, and many rebuked him. And another version, the crowd told him to shut up. But I like Bart, I like blind Bart, BB. Telling them, they saying, be silent, shut up, be quiet. And the I like what he said. And he cried out all the more, Jesus! You know what? Sometimes Right before the breakthrough, the people of the crowd in our minds and people around us try to get us to shut up or be satisfied where we're at. Even with your walk with God, just be sad. Don't be satisfied with religion. Religion won't get you anywhere, but Jesus will help you get where you want to be. But he cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. What if? What if I cry out? There's a lot of people living in the valley of what if, and nothing's changed, and nothing will change. What if you're paralyzed, you're imprisoned in life? Jesus is the God of all hope. You know, the crowd was loud, but Bart was a little louder. (laughs) I used to go to, when I was in uh, Lafayette, I grew up in Lafayette, I went to Cathedral Carmel, my Junior high years, and they kicked me out, told me I couldn't come back. And that's a whole other story, another message. <laughs> and then I had to go go to public school, Paul Bro, for a year. Then I went to Our Lady of Fatima. But we had, there was like, we had Turling's Cathedral and Fatima. Now St. Thomas Moore is there, and that brought Cathedral and Fatima together. And uh, another uh, another school called Holy Rosary Institute. It was the last black American, uh, African American school. Catholic private school that there was. But I love to go to their basketball games because the girls could cheer. I mean, they could move. They had chants that you just wouldn't believe. I mean, I just go over there. I mean, they were like into it. Okay? Their team was good. I mean, I mean, but the girls, they, they had the moves and they had the grooves, baby. And man, what they would do is they, they, they had this one chant. I say, I say, go back, go back, go back through the swamp. Your team ain't got no spirit in your coaches, a chump. I say, go back. I mean, I mean, you just got to love it. You got to love it. They had spirit, and they didn't care, they just be a little louder. You got to have fun sometimes. Come on. Some of y'all, you, you get, look, Some y'all come in here like y'all got a halo over you. Some of you need to drop that halo. <laughs> Beggars learn never to be denied. I want to be a beggar before heaven. I'm a son. I'm a son of the living God. I can say I have five sons. I have one daughter. But I was tight with my first, like, four sons. I told Luke, who's my baby boy, I said, bro, I want to come back and be you. If I could come back and be anybody, I took him to, we went on a teal hunt, we went on an alligator hunt, and we went to LSU game in the same day. And I looked at him, I go, if I could just come back and be anybody I wanted to be, I'd want to be you. But, You know, Barnabas heard Jesus had come to town. Jesus in the Greek, it's translated to Jewish, is Joshua. That's what his name means, Joshua. And it was Joshua who came to town that day. Thousands of years before that, previous, there was another Joshua. They had a commission from Moses to walk to the promised land. And he told him, but you got to go through Jericho... And take the city of Jericho. It was a fortified city. And what he did is he said, you got to go through Jericho before you get to the promised land. So he sent his right-hand guy, the general Joshua. And Joshua goes there, and God specifically tells him, all right, I'm going to tell you, give you a secret how to take the city. He goes, great. Can you imagine God giving you the plan? He goes, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the band Okay, Lord, I'm taking notes. I want you to take the band and play around the city every day for six days. Okay. How many of you sometimes God gives you directions that you don't understand? Or how many of you God's giving you directions and you're wondering about is this really God? Or was this the pizza I ate last night? No, really. And what happens, they do that for six days. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. We're in the travel channel. But as we're traveling in this journey, the seventh day, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to blow the trumpets and then shout. And I love one of my mentors who was one of my teachers, Winky Prattney from New Zealand. He said this. He said, when they went to do the excavation of Jericho, it says the walls fell down. But he said, if you go there and excavate, the walls didn't fall down. They went down. You imagine taking a shower by the wall (laughs) on the inside? (laughs) Can you imagine? That's the way my mind thinks, all right? Forgive me. But what happened is, Joshua had a commission to take the people to the promised land. But the New Testament, Joshua, was in, it was in Jericho. He was standing before Bartimaeus. And Jesus came to bring the people into a promised land, not physically, but eternally, to heaven. You see, Mark 10, 49 says, And Jesus stopped, and he stood still. And called him. You know the crazy thing is? When I start thinking about this. Wait a minute. Joshua in the Old Testament. When he was in battle. He called out to God. And he said. God let the sun stand still. And the sun stood still. So they could win the battle. And I believe that day. Barnabas as he cried out for mercy. The Bible says. That Jesus stood still. And see as he stood still. You know Barnabas' life was miraculously changed that day because Jesus stood still. You're sitting by the highway of life, saying, "I'm blind. I don't get it. I don't see. What you don't know what I'm going through. I'm. It's not going anywhere." Let me tell you something: If you crowd to God, you're on the King's highway, and anything can happen. Yes. Anything can happen. Because all authority has been given to Jesus. See, Jesus... And here's a question. Does Jesus really care about me? Or he's just passing by quickly? Oh, he's on the road, but he's going by quick. Here's what I say. Take hope. Barnabas cried out, and the Son of God stood still. Why? Let me give you three suggestions. If you want to get God's attention in your life. Can I just give it to you? Is that all right? The first thing, he cried out with humility... What do you mean, Pat? All too often, we say, poor me. Life just ain't fair. Poor pitiful me. Let's have a party. Let's have a little pity party. I'll be pity myself. You ever have those? It's very lonely. Why do bad things always happen to me? Humility says this. I know who I am. I know where I've come from. I know I'm a sinner. I deserve judgment. I don't have my, I've done my best. And look at this. How many of you know that you've tried to come to God and you've done your best? That's where you have to come to the point in your life Go. I've done my best and look where it's got me. I need help. I need help. See, such is the voice of the Lord who hears this hears clearly. I have a friend of mine, his name's Victor. And, uh, I met him through my best friend, Mark. We've been best friends for 45 years. And he said, Bubba, you need to call this guy. He lives in Benton. I said, all right. He's dealing with cancer, and he's got a great story. And so I called him, and I go, and we started talking. He started telling me what kind of cancer he had and all this. But then he said, you know, I went to the doctor, Bubba, and, and when I went to the doctor, the doctor said, you got 15 months to live. He said, I didn't know God. I left the doctor, and he goes, I don't want to die. I don't want to die, God. I just don't want to die right now. He said, I'm 53. He said, the next day, I'm sitting in my house, and all of a sudden I hear, at my door. I open my door, and there's five people from a spirit-filled church. And they were just talking to people about the Lord. He said, I didn't even tell him I had cancer. And we just talked and they they prayed for me. And he said, it was kind of nice. He said, but then I went to bed that night and woke up the next morning and go, what am I gonna do? It's Sunday. Hey, those people that went to that, I'm gonna go visit that church. I can't tell you how many stories we've just served people in this community and other com- communities, and they've come just because someone loved them. Because ministry sometimes is rolling up your sleeve, and it's spelled W-O-R-K, work. Yes, you just serve people. And so, he, man, he goes, I go to the church. And he said, man, the preacher he preaches, I don't know what he preached, but it sounded pretty good. <laughs> and he said, but I went to the front. And the preacher was actually there. And I told him, he goes, look, man, he told him, like I got cancer. People from your church came. I didn't tell them, and and I'm I'm going through this, and I really don't want to die. But there's three things I can't give up. Freak, well, what are they? He goes, I can't give up smoking, I can't give up drinking, and I can't give up my weed. I just can't do it. It's, it's the truth. And he said, man, the. The preacher preacher prayed for him, and he said, Pastor Bubba, I left, and I'm going, what i going to do? I can't give up my smoking. I can't give up my drinking. I like my beer. I don't don't want to give up smoking my doobie. (laughs) And all of a sudden, he said, after two days, I cried out to God, and I felt God come to my life. Two days later, I wasn't doing those things. God, help me. Listen, let me just tell you something. It doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter who you are, you can be a victor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just got to be humble. You can say, "I can't give up this. I can't." You don't know what I've gone through. The second thing that Barnabas did, he cried out with tenacity. They were saying, "Keep quiet." The crowd said, "It's amazing how often people, well-meaning people, try to get us just to shut up." As long as you talk about religious things, that's okay. But don't bring Jesus into the mix. Or if you're going through something in your physical body, people going, baby, shy. That's okay, honey. And they can be sympathetic, but you're going to die. You want to go, hey, boo, get out of my hospital bedroom. I told my wife when the people come visit me at different times I've been in the hospital, I said, if someone comes in and tell me I'm going to die, or gives a bad word, kick their butt out. She, Tracy goes, I'll punch them, I'll pimp slap them. You know? so she did, t- she kicked the doctor out one time. She did. Hey, don't, she hits hard too. Anyway, no. Dynamite comes in small packages, that's all I got to that. It's amazing. Sometimes people just want us to be satisfied in our condition. Don't keep bothering the Lord. Just just accept your blindness. Just accept what you're going through. Accept the confusion. You know what Bartimaeus said? He kept crying out with humility, yes, but with tenacity. You see, Mark, verse 49 and 50 says, And they called the, the blind man, saying to him, Take heart. I love that. Get up. He's calling you. Look what he said. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. You know what he did? You know what Pastor Josh and all Pastor Jamie, Pastor JJ, myself, and the leaders in the church want every day? We come in here on a Sunday having an expectation of a visitation from God. He cried out expectantly believing that God could do something. See, when you come through these doors, I hope you have an expectation of a visitation from God himself. That he'd bring deliverance. You don't just come here, three, four songs. Yay, hey, praise the Lord. It was a good song. Yeah, yeah, Walk out. Hey, Sha, what you doing? We're going to go eat. Well, you look like you eaten a lot. But anyway, just... I hope you come, and you, it's like the table of the Lord, that you set yourself up and go, hey, I've been, I've been ministering, I've been believing God all week, but this morning I need to be refreshed. I need to be renewed. I need for, for God to touch me in an incredible way so I can deal with what I got to deal with and the people I work with during the week. Amen. And he cried out, expect. He, and the thing I like about, and it said he sprang up. He, well, he said he, he got up. And, and he said, take heart. And he says, and throwing off his cloak. I love that statement. He threw off anything that would hold him back. Anything that covered him. His shame, his guilt. His loneliness. Whatever it is in us. Sometimes we hide behind things. Come on. Some people hide behind cars. Some people hide behind houses. Some people hide behind their marriage. Some I got my trophy wife. Well. Oh well. That's all you got. <laughs> <laughs> Trophies darnish some darnish. Blah, blah. They 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 get messed up. I used to have trophies from when I was in junior high. I finally got rid of them at one time. I go, these are stupid. They're all tarnished and all that, you know. But trophies fade. You know, things fade. I remember getting my first Super Black Eagle shotgun for ladies, you know. Oh, and and they am like, oh, man. Then it, after a while, I go, man, I got to get the Super Black Eagle, too. <laughs> I got that one. Now they came out with the three. And if I get another one, my wife will shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> she tells you, I got guns. Anyway, I'm a packing preacher. Anyway, just. <laughs> and he threw up everything that's holding. What, what is it? What is it that's holding you back? What is it? You cry out, but sometimes you got to throw some things off. I could do a certain. How many? Don't raise your hand. How many you've been wounded before? How many of you people told you something that you didn't really want to feel here? How many have, have us been hurt by things and situations and stuff? How many of you've maybe you've walked through a divorce and it's been painful, or you've been a child of someone that's walked through a divorce and, and just all the things that that all the complications that brings. I don't know. Maybe you're you're so you you, you want to get delivered from whatever it is. A substance, a thing, a drug. It could be prescription. And it's like you're you're saying, this is enough. I'm done. i got to throw it off. He was saying, I know Jesus. If I throw this thing off, I know he'll heal me. Hebrews says it like this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's faith. Listen to me. I want to say this. This is original. It's faith that sees the invisible. Look what it says: believes the impossible and receives the incredible. That's what faith is. Let me say it again. You see, faith sees the impossible, the invisible. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's faith. It's like faith without sin. It's like when, when when Jesus came and he appeared after resurrection and he was in the room with the people and Thomas was missing. And remember, it goes, He comes back a second time, like a week later. And he goes to Thomas, he goes, hey, see my hands? Touch them. See my side? Touch my side. He said, there's greater faith. There's going to be people that have greater faith that don't see me. And believe. Faith is without seeing sometimes. But it believes the impossible. Listen. For my grandmother, I was the impossible. And it wasn't fair how she prayed. She didn't just pray that I would get saved. She prayed that I'd be a preacher. So I blame her. <laughs> Nene, you're looking down. Yeah. But I'm just saying, for you, mom, grandma, grandfather, uncle, aunt, whatever, whatever you believe in them, what seems, up, listen to me. You know how you start out in prayer? This is how it is everything impo- seems impossible. Then it becomes difficult, but then it's done. Yeah. There's three stages of it it's impossible. This is no way this is going to That guy can't get saved. Oh, did you see that girl? Oh, she used to walk and trot, and oh, she was bad. And then you go, that's impossible. Then all of a sudden, the difficult becomes. I have a sister that's in jail. She called me yesterday. First thing she does, she starts crying. Let's just pray for her. I talk to her. The same prayers that were prayed for me were prayed for her. God can do the impossible. But he can also do the incredible. See, Mark 10, verse 51. Are y'all with me? Yes. It says this, and Jesus said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man say, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. We, we have not because we didn't ask. He calls out, Rabbi. There's only two people that ever called out rabbi or master in the Bible like this. It was him and Mary Magdalene when she saw Jesus in the garden being resurrected. It's no wonder he followed the one who had opened his eyes and given him life. Verse 52, let me bring this up close. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Look what it says. Your what? Has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. And he followed him on the way. Luke says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. What do you mean? For with the measure you use, whatever God's given you will be measured back. You know, I preach at different places, and every time I pray for someone that has cancer or something, I've had people get healed and saved, but I'm still dealing with it you go, that's not fair. No, it just reminds me. My faith is God. If I pray for someone, you're going to touch me. You see, I believe it. may you cry out. May you cry out until Jesus stops in front of you. And may you cry out until the sun stands still. And may you join Barnabas in following him fresh and anew in your walk with him. This message isn't just for one. It's for all. Some of you are in a place where you need to give your life to Jesus. I'm just saying it straight up. Religions aren't going to get you there. He said, if you reject me before men, I'll reject you before you, before my Father in heaven. I don't want that rejection. How about you? I've been rejected a lot in life, but it's going to be nice when he goes in there into your rest. Faithful. You see... I believe this, maybe it's that, or maybe your faith has gotten just kind of just dull. And you, you know, you're just going through the motions. You need a fresh touch from Jesus. It's kind of like the tin can man in Wizard of Oz. You just need a little oil on you. You squeak. (laughs) Things you used to do. You just don't do anymore. Well, I can't move. I can't do that. Well, God just see, put a little healing oil on you. A little dab-a-doo. Come on, yabba-dabba-doo. But I love Winston Churchill, one of my favorite people. History's trying to rewrite him right now, but I like what he said. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And I've learned this in life. If you want a touch from God, it's called second-mile people. We live in a one-mile world, but we need 2nd two-mile people. Second-mile people. What do you mean? People that go the extra mile. People that will show up. People that will believe for you. People that will stand with you. People that will hope with you and won't let go. We live in a one-mile world where everybody got their eyes on themselves. We need people that have their eyes on Jesus, that are looking to him, touching him. Listen, I want every one of you, stand to your feet. Everyone stand to your feet. We're going to close this out. I'm a little over. I'm sorry. You thought sharp preacher, sharp message. I'm sorry, but anyway. But I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I'm going to pray for everybody this morning. I just want you to put your hands like this. Maybe you've never done this in church and go, well, I've never had two questions at one time. <laughs> I'm not going to ask, ask you to answer anything, but I'm believing the answer that you need could come. All that represents, I receive whatever God wants to give me. Does that make sense? And if you're, you're watching for online, I want you to do the same wherever you're at. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much for everyone. Lord, I pray that we would get beyond the crowds that are in our mind and the people that have discouraged us and we would learn to cry out. I pray for those this morning that maybe you hear and you go, man, I just don't know the Lord, Pastor Bubba. That's okay. We can pray right now and you can meet him. Just can we all pray this prayer with them and I'm gonna pray for everyone. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you, I ask you. to forgive me of the hardness of my heart my sin, my blindness take it away I ask that you would come into my heart, change me from the inside out I believe that you died on the cross you rose from the grave to live in me thank you, I receive all that you have from me Lord I pray for every person that's here that has their heart their hands lifted. I pray that God that you would come. You know the need represents their life right now. You know that that they're struggling with things that they've walked through. Maybe voices they've heard. People that discourage them. Things that they've walked through in their own own life. Things that they're they're, they're having to stand against and believe for. Lord, I believe for those that are in high school and junior high this morning that are here. And Lord, they're struggling with the peers around them. I pray you would strengthen them. I pray for mothers and fathers that are prodigals this morning, Lord. We stand with them, and we cry out. If you have a prodigal, just say their name out loud. And Father, we pray for them. Come, that they would come back to you. They would come, and they would have a cry out to you. They would become humble. They would become. They would begin to become. Uh, they would have tenacity to cry out. And they would have, and God, they would have an expectation that you would come. And I pray that for everyone here. You know what they need. And I pray that they would not leave disappointed. Thank you that you are here. That you, Holy Spirit, you would come. Refresh. Renew. Deliver. And set free. Father, for those that need hope, give them hope. For those that are just at a place that they just feel stuck, I pray that you would just pull them out of their circumstances. I pray all of this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said...